We um still doing our Christianity 101. Still got a few more to go. And our topic for tonight is going to be man. And we we dealt with this some last time, but um we'll do a little more tonight and and also just a little bit of a different direction. Last time we were talking about creation and so of course we talked about uh man being created, and uh, and a little bit about um, what man is, what is man. So I'm going to recap a little bit of that, and then and then we're going to go a little bit, a little bit different direction also. Um, so let me go back to, uh, for starters, um, let me go back to Genesis five, <coughs> verse one. <coughs> Okay, Genesis 5, 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Um, interesting um, fact here is that... Um, The, you look at, again, look at verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Um, that's the word for man, Adam. So you see it again in, in uh, the next sentence. When God created Adam, man, he made him in the likeness of God. Uh, at that time, it's translated man in the ESV. He made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man, Adam, Adam. Um, so, you know, I said we're going to be talking about man tonight. Well, that's, a, that's appropriate then because we're, we're, uh, we're not just talking about um, males. But we're talking about man as a whole in the sense of mankind or, or um, human beings. You know, sometimes we use terms like that. Uh, but sometimes we just use the term man. Uh, when, you know, when David, for example, says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? I don't think he's just meaning um, males, but he's, but he's talking about human beings in general. Um, so you, you see that here. You see the foundation for that here. God created them male and female, but he named them man. All right, so what is man? I want to recap a little bit of what we talked about last time. We, we, we already kind of dealt with this, but we'll go back over it just a little bit. First of all, man is, is um, created in the image of God, right? What does that mean? I mean, somebody want to give me an example of uh, what it means to be created in the image of God? Got a soul, so, so yeah, there's, you say we're spiritual. That's one of the things we've talked about. Amen. Yeah. Communicable attributes. So, like love, joy. So, so we, we are um, emotional. And I don't, you know, I don't mean like in the sense of emotion, emotionalism. A lot of times we, we, when we say emotional uh, or, or, you know, emotionalism, that's got a bad connotation. But, but emotions are a good thing, and that's part of being created in the image of God. So the fact that we're happy, sad, angry, um, 
whatever, glad, you know, those, there is, those are emotions that, that we uh, have because we're, we're created in the image of God. So, um, man is, is spiritual, as already been pointed out. Um, man is intelligent. That is, we are intelligent beings. Um, and that's, again, as part of being created in the image of God. And, and there you really see a, um, <coughs> a, a much different, um, in fact, like, like uh, evolutionists tend to think of it in terms of, of, well, we're just more intelligent than the creatures, but it seems to me like it's, it's uh, qualitative as well as quantitative. So it's not just, a, uh, it's not just that we're more intelligent, I don't think, but... but um, um, you think about, and we talked about this a little bit last time, you, you, you think about things like self-awareness that, that animals do not seem to possess. Um, we, we think about why we are, for example. And, uh, you know, there's no evidence that, that animals do that. <coughs> you know, we have what? Morals. Morals. We're moral creatures. Amen. Right. Animals don't have morals, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, t- I think I told y'all before about this professor I was listening to one time, and he used the analogy of a dog biting. I mean, you might you don't like it if a dog bites you, but um, you don't uh, you don't think of it as out of character, right? I mean, that's what dogs do. But if a, if another person bit you, <laughs> you know, then uh, you'd have a whole different outlook on that, you know, because that just Beneath um, the way that a person should act. So yeah, we're moral creatures. We understand human beings understand right and wrong at some level. Um, we we don't uh, we don't you know, have the understanding of it or certainly practice it to the level that we should. But everybody uh, understands at some level uh, the difference in right and wrong. So we're moral creatures, we're intelligent creatures, we're spiritual creatures, just to, just to name a few. All, all of those things um, are part of being created in the image of God. <coughs> yeah, well, there's a big debate over... Well, the whole now. Um, I think, in, in in reference to a human being, the soul and spirit are the same thing. It's just it's just a way of referring to the the non physical part of us. Uh, sometimes, of course, you know, um, when we talk about the spirit, we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. But but that's not, uh, you know, that's not me. But when we're talking about us, um, we, we are body and soul. And some people believe in, in a, except a trichotomy, um, body, soul, spirit. So, so. Yeah, it's a popular view. <coughs> well, personally, I don't think there is one. I, I think it's two ways of saying the same thing. But... But uh, but some people do think there is one, and and uh, I did too for a long time. I argued for that for a long, long time. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so but it is. If if you do hold that view, it seems like it's hard to, as you point out, it's hard to distinguish. Because uh, again, those things are <laughs> non-physical; they're non-tangible, so so it's kind of hard to kind of hard to distinguish. Um, but I'm glad you I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was sitting here thinking there's another one I wanted to mention that I that I forgot to mention, and when you mentioned the Trinity, it came to me. But that is, that is we're, we're relational. Or you you know we, we you could say um, social. Uh, and and that again is part of being created in the image of God, and it reflects the the um, it reflects the relationship between the members of the Trinity. The, the perfect relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that existed from all eternity is, is reflected in us and the fact that we are uh, social creatures, relational creatures. We don't like... In fact, when God made Adam, what did he say? Not, not good for man to be alone, right? So he makes him a helper. So right off the bat, um, you've got a relationship not only with God, but with with uh, another human being very quickly. I mean, he looked at all the animals. You know, God brought all the animals before him first, but he didn't find <laughs> he didn't find an appropriate uh, companion there. So God made Eve. All right, so we're created in the image of God, and um, we're created for <coughs> the glory of God, right? Created for the glory of God. Let me, a uh, couple of passages come to mind here. Um, one <coughs> being, of course, 1 Corinthians 10.31. And then essentially the same thing is uh, said. There's a parallel passage in Colossians 3. But let me read. 1 Corinthians 10.31 first. And boy, this, this hits at the heart of the um, of purpose. You know, why are we? And I mentioned earlier, you know, part of our um, being made in the image of God is, you know, the fact that we, we have self-awareness and the fact that we do contemplate things like like purpose and and um, you know, goal. You know, where where are we going? Where are we going to wind up? Um, and we we wonder about those things. Even that's not unique to Christians. You know, like I say, that's part of that's part of being a human being. You know, people wonder about um, why we're here, why we exist. What does all this mean? You know, the meaning of life. Well, here in a nutshell, you know, Paul's given some specific. Um, Instructions here, but but what he says here um, is, is is relevant really to all of life um, in a big way. First Corinthians ten ten thirty one. He says, "So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God." Now that <coughs> that is what we're here for. To glorify the Lord. That's why God created us. So man is created in the image of God, and he's created to glorify God. 
Um, I said there was a parallel passage in Colossians 3. That's verse 17. Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, pretty well covers it, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in Corinthians, he says, do everything for the glory of God. In Colossians, he says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, which, which again is, uh, is essentially the same thing. In other words, you're doing it for the glory of of Jesus Christ, which is to do it for the glory of God. So whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. Also, um, Isaiah 43, God is speaking of uh, Israel here, but it's applicable to us as well. Isaiah 43, 7. Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. And what he's saying there, he's talking about calling his uh, people to himself out from among the nations, um, and, he, and he says here, I've created them for my glory. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. <clears throat> well, how can, we, uh, how can we glorify God? Obey, amen, <laughs> amen. Very good, yeah. That's what Jesus said. I, I always do the things that, uh, that please my Father. And he walked in perfect obedience to the Father. And the Father was well pleased. Anybody else? How can we, how can we glorify God? Share the gospel? Absolutely. In fact, if you look, I, I was looking at this this morning. I just thought it was interesting. You look right here in, in Isaiah 43. Look at what he says about Israel in verse 10. You are my witnesses. So he says he's, he's called them out for his own glory. Um, Verse 9, all the nations gather together and the peoples assemble who among them can declare this and show us the former things. Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right uh, and let them hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. So um, he's the one true living God and we are, uh, we, we bear testimony to that fact. And that's one way that he is honored or glorified in us.
By the way, just a sort of a, well, I mean, it's related, but kind of a side note. You look in that same chapter in verse 25. <clears throat> I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember your sins, and I will not remember your sins. I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sin. A lot of times that the language catches my attention not enough, I'm sure, but, but um, you know, I was looking at this, and it made me think of Jesus in John 8. Jesus says, if you do not believe, he tells the Jews, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Isn't that amazing? And, and Isaiah 43 uses that language, language talking about Yahweh, God. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And Jesus says, if you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And then in that same chapter, John 8, he goes on to say, before Abraham was, I am. All right, that's just a side note there. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they didn't like that. Okay, so we're created in the image of God. So... We are like God in uh, some sense or some senses. Uh, there are ways in which we are like God, although God is certainly uh, perfect in all of his excellencies. Um, he's infinite. We're finite. Um, he's, again, he's perfect. We're, we're not. We're flawed. Um, but we are, uh, and, and we're limited. I mean, e even before the fall, Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, but they weren't um, they were never infinite, so they never had the fullness of, of uh, you know, the attributes of God. You know, they, they weren't omnipresent, for example, or all-knowing or something like that. But knowledge still is, is a, the kind of knowledge that we do have, and the extent of knowledge that we do have is still a reflection of um, God's infinite knowledge. And you think about things like creativity. You know, people are, are very... Um, Creative again, another thing that um, really sets us apart from the animals, and our our creativity is a, again a reflection of God's creativity. So God creates, and He takes joy in creating. You know, you read through the Genesis one account, and He He makes things, and He says it is good. You know, the Lord saw that it was good, and He makes things, and He says it was good, and so. Now you, you look and you see women sew things or you see someone write a song or, or you know, whatever, a, paint a painting or something like that, and they take, they, they take pleasure in it. And that's part of being created in the image of God, cre creativity. And, and that's the way to, uh, to glorify God. That is, um, reflect His image. Do what he's put us here to do. You know, there's a sense in which, um, there's a sense in which um, just about anything you look at out there or anybody you watch out there is glorifying the Lord in one sense. You know, when I when I uh, when I watch something like a, uh, for example, something like a, a football game, and I'm not a big professional sports fan. We watch stuff occasionally, but I'm, I'm not all that into it. But when I do watch, and I watch <clears throat> what those guys are capable of, you know, the, you know, watch them display their ability, and, and, and they may be, you know, you can just take any given individual, and they may be 
um, totally about self. <laughs> and it may be all about self. But just the fact that they can do what they do is glorifying to the Lord. It's a testimony to the, to the greatness of the Creator who created them and enabled them to do what they do. Say the same thing about uh, music or something like that, which is closer to home for me. When I hear something like a, a, a you know a great guitar player or something like that, it you know it makes me think it's it's amazing that God enabled somebody to do that. And the only reason that they can do what they do, even even if they're totally oblivious to this fact, the only reason that they can do what they do is because they're created in the image of God, and God has gifted them. So there's, there's one sense in which uh, everything out there, just, just by existing and doing what it does, brings glory to God. But in our case, and this is what Paul is, is doing in Corinthians and in Colossians, um, in our case it should be a conscious, willing um, effort to glorify God should be something that we uh, we desire to do and uh, and take pleasure in. All right, there's one that comes to mind, and, and one, th- uh, one way that this has been put traditionally that I really like, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't have handouts tonight, sorry about that, but it probably would have helped right here. But uh, the, the, the Westminster Catechism, which was um, penned by Anglican divines in the, in the uh, I think first in 1644, <clears throat> and then I believe the final edition is 1689. But um, the 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 Westminster the Westminster Confession, and then also the Catechism that goes with it. But the, you know, Catechism is questions and answers, and it's what they the church used traditionally to train children, and and uh, and new not just children, but they they did use them to train children, and, and then especially also new converts, um, and uh, so, so it would be a series of questions and answers about God and the Scripture and so forth. Well, the very first one, the very first question in, in the Westminster um, catech- larger catechism is the question, what is the chief end of man? Now, chief end just means like primary purpose. We don't talk that way a lot of times anymore, but, but um, it just means Primary purpose or goal, end in the sense of goal. What is the primary goal for man? What's the chief end of man? Well, what's the answer? How do they answer that? To glorify, it's, it's one thing, but, but two aspects, twofold. Here, here's the answer that they gave. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good response to that, because that's very well said. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's what we're here for. That's our purpose. That's the goal. That's the end. That's where we're, we're headed um, as Christians. Um, God fulfilling that in us, that we would glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Now, um, years ago, John, John Piper, in, some of you may be familiar with John Piper, he, um, he wrote a book called uh, Desiring God, an excellent book, 
And in the book, and he actually did this prior to this, but he wrote it in the book. But he, he took that, you know, just meditating on that, <laughs> that question, that catechism question and answer, and uh, he took that answer and changed one word in it. So again, the question is, what is the chief end of man? And he still uses this, you know, for, for explanation. And he answered it this way, changed one word. He answered the question this way, to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. You catch the different word? By, right, instead of and. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Now, he also <coughs> pointed out, and, and I think that's very good, by the way, but he also pointed out that uh, he wasn't saying anything different than the Anglican divines were in the mid-1600s because their question was not what are the chief ends of man, plural, but what is the chief end? In other words, they're saying what is the singular thing, the, the chief goal, end of man? And their answer was to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So they gave, they're really given two aspects of one thing. God is glorified in us by us enjoying Him. So our, our reason for being, the end to which we are all headed as believers, is to glorify God and enjoy Him, or you could say glorify God by enjoying Him forever, forever. All right, so that's what we're here for, to enjoy God, and God gets great glory out of that. Again, to quote um, John Piper, uh, he's got another saying that's very famous now, um, uh, at least, you know, if you read that kind of stuff. Um, God, and it's this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Right? So, our purpose for being here, the reason God made us, is to bring honor and glory to His name. In fact, you know, Jesus teaches us to pray that way, right? Father, hallowed be Your name. Let your name be hallowed. Let your name be honored. Let your name be glorified. That's, that's the uh, um, first petition in, in the Lord's Prayer. Let your name be hallowed. So we're, we're created. God created us to honor, bring honor to His name. And the way that we do that is by enjoying Him. Glorify Him by enjoying Him. To love Him. That's, that's built into the first and greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart. All your not you know, not partial, but your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, your all of your strength. Right? In other words, with your whole being. We love God. And that's how God is is glorified. Okay. Um, any comments on that? Ever feel like you fall short of that? 
like every day, every second, every day. Yeah, 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 we do. Thank God for his grace, right? But, you know, he, he, he puts that desire in us and, and by his spirit, by his spirit, he empowers us. Um, by, and by the truth of his word, he, he changes us. That's why, you know, Jesus prayed, uh, prayed for us saying, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So he's the one that, you know, he, he makes it a reality. And he's working it, working it out. Okay. I'm going to read a little bit here from uh, Wayne Grudem's little book talking about our responsibilities <clears throat> as creatures in the image of God. Um, as creatures made in, the I- in God's image, we were also made to be his representatives on the earth. And that's kind of what I was getting at a while ago with Isaiah 43. It says, we are also made to be his representatives on the earth, much like a king who places images through statues and pictures, for example of himself around his kingdom to show where he rules. God has, through us, placed images of himself across his world. Have y'all ever, you know, he uses the example here of a, uh, the analogy here of a king placing pictures. Isn't that amazing? You ever, did that ever catch your attention like in these communist countries, you know, you'd be watching the news or uh, maybe you've been to one. I haven't been to one. But these, uh, these totalitarian um, leaders Usually they, they erect these massive uh, photos of themselves or statues. or it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Just to constantly remind everybody, I guess, uh, that uh, who they're subservient to. Well, anyway, he's saying it's sort of like that. God has put images around the world of himself. This is why he, he commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. When they replicated God's image across the earth, they demonstrated all the places where God rules and reigns. And since the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, God desires that his image fill the earth. When we fill the earth with God's image, we demonstrate all the places where he reigns and rules, and bring him the glory he desires and deserves. Amen. All right, so think about that too in terms of, um, when you said earlier, obedience. So what about when, when, we, when we walk in obedience to the Lord, when we live in obedience to the Lord? <laughs> Excuse me. Isn't that another way of demonstrating in our own life where God rules and reigns. And, and if we're walking um, in opposition, you know, in other words, if we're disobedient, in other words, um, at least in that area where we're disobedient, it's, you know, what, what we're basically saying is, you know, I'll, I'll take this part, you know, I'll rule this part, I'll reign here. Where we're submitted and surrendered, um, there the, the, the rule and reign of God is plainly seen. You know, you can think about it, too, in terms, in, with the contrast of the church and the world. You know, God, I just read the quote, you know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In reality, God reigns over all. 
There's nothing outside of his dominion. But you look out into the world and you don't necessarily see evidence of that, do you? I mean, because people aren't running around um, seeking the will of God and asking, you know, what, what can we do today to honor God and so forth. So you see a, a, a big contrast there in the church and the world uh, in the evidence of God's reign. God reigns over all, but in the lives of people who are submitted to him, um, it, it is his, his reign is on display for all to see. You know, they, they look at us, they look at the church, and, um, and, and they see his reign on display. Sometimes people hate the fact that, just like right now, you know, with some of the debates going on in our country, for example, with uh, the controversy over same-sex marriage and so forth, <clears throat> that people hate the fact that we want to submit to the Word of God concerning an issue like that. And they try to tell us, you know, it's outdated and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, it, nevertheless, it's evidence to them, isn't it, that we are submissive to what God said. I mean, we're, we're displaying his reign when we do that. Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, that's an interesting question. I, I would say yes, but you know, there's a uh, there's a spiritual spiritual reality behind that at work. In other words, I don't think they're conscious of that. Um, they are and they aren't. I mean, in other words, a lot of them realize that we're uh, that we're not serving the same God, <laughs> and obviously they 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 don't like what we're doing, and uh, uh, at least the radical branches, you know, they, they don't like what we're doing and they, and they want to kill us, you know, they're opposed to who we are. Um, but, but, you know, uh, a, a lot of them, just w whether it's just the world in general or whether it's other false religions out there, um, they are living and operating under the influence of Satan, all right? So whether or not they are aware of it, yes, there's a war going on because, with us, because we are in submission to the one true God. And and in submission to his revealed truth, and so Satan uh, uses them, you know, whether um, whether they're aware of it or not, to to wage war against us because of our relationship to Christ. So I would say yes, but that doesn't mean that they're always conscious of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spiritual warfare. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's who that's who the real enemy is, right? So yeah, so we, we display God's reign, um, his his um, his lordship, his rule, the Lord's lordship by uh, by living in obedience to him, doing what he's what he's uh, instructed us to do. So why were we created? To glorify God, right? Created in, in his image and we're created to glorify him. You know, I should have, I wanted to mention earlier, and I skipped over it, but Psalm 1611, when I was talking about um, enjoying God, Psalm 1611 was a reference I intended to give there. Fullness of joy is one. Fullness of joy is found in in uh, in His presence there, according to the psalmist. In in Your presence is fullness of joy. This is why it's going to be so, you know, you think about all these things, and this is why it's, it's, it's uh, going to be so glorious. <laughs> when we get <laughs> to glory, when we get on the other side with the Lord, because uh, you, you think about these things that we, we are created for, we're created to do, and then you think about, and they're in, I mean, you know, they're, they're great. They're, they're, uh, but then you think about how we fail at them, and it's because of sin. Right, and so in this life, you know, we we will never glorify God as as we ought. Uh, you know, not totally. Um, we'll never love Him as we ought, totally. Um, so, but when we get to the other side, sin is removed from our experience, and and. Uh, and so then, you know, we won't we won't have the hindrance of sin and all of these things. So, you know, it'd be a more accurate uh, reflection of God's character. And when we think in terms of, you know, like we were talking about earlier, being moral creatures or um, relational um, thinking, you know, intelligence and so forth, all, all of that will be uh, will still be there, but it'll be without sin, so without the corruption that we know now. Without the distortion. All right, so God's image um, is is being uh, is being restored in us, and it's not that it's totally gone, um, but it's it's um, it's it's certainly distorted. We're created. Adam was created in the image of God, uh, again, meaning Adam and Eve, male and female. But then comes the fall, you know, they sin, and the image of God is so distorted in us now that uh, at times it's even difficult, um, even difficult to recognize. But it's what God is doing in salvation is restoring um, his image to us. In fact, um, it'll be better in this sense that when, when, our, when our salvation is complete, 
there won't even be, after that point, there won't even be the possibility of sin. So that, that's one thing that's different from um, the state that we will know and the state that Adam and Eve were in when they were created originally. Romans 8.29 talks about us being conformed to the image of his son. That's the process we're going through now. Um, Colossians 3.10, being renewed in knowledge after the image of, his, of its creator. Second Corinthians 3.18, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. So it's, it's a process that we're experiencing now that God's going to bring to completion at the resurrection and, uh, and restore his image in us without, without the, uh, the distortion of sin, the corruption of sin. And you read Romans 8, you know, there Paul says that the whole, whole world, the whole, all of creation is groaning as it awaits that day. And sometimes, you know, I wonder if it, it's a, uh, a lot of the things that, that we, we see, that we think of as, as, as natural phenomenon um, that are the result of the fall. Are, are manifestations of that groaning, you know, because we, we live in a broken world. So you, when you see things like uh, tsunamis, you know, wipe out a couple hundred thousand people, or typhoons, or tornadoes, or hurricanes, or you know, and and even the, the everyday stuff that that uh, uh, we we were having a discussion about the other day, some of us. Just the, the just the everyday stuff that we think of as normal, you know, like a uh, you turn on the Nature Channel and you see <laughs> one animal take down another one, right? Or maybe you see it out in your yard. You might get the opportunity. I don't know. Our little dog, you know, killed a rabbit one day. And didn't even know that dog was capable of that. I mean, you know, I mean, fast enough is what I mean. But she was. <laughs> but you know. Little things like that that are that are really, if you think about it, are just are just brutal, you know. And but what we think of it as well, it's the normal part of of the world. Well, yes, it's the normal part of our. It is normal in the existence that we know, which is uh, a broken world. But it's really abnormal because it's not the way God created things. You know, he created the world without sin, so. Um, you know, these things that, a lot of these things that we think of as being normal are the result of the fall. So, when we get to the other side, that's why, you know, you, you have images like um, the lion laying down with a lamb and the child playing over the, the adder's um, den and so forth. Because there's a, there's a restoration there of creation the way that it was intended to be. And how much more, you know, with you and I? I mean, because, again, we, we are brought to Christ-likeness without the experience, of, removed from the experience of sin. All right, any other comments before we finish up?
I would think so. Some some do, some don't. I mean, it just depends on the publishers or, or their version. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some of them do, some don't. But yeah, that's that's the he's the preeminent one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and brothers, sons, heirs, <laughs> amen. Adopted sons. Yeah, that's us. Saints. There's one for you. The Holy One. The Holy One. That's 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 how he refers to us. <laughs> Amen. That's grace. That's grace. All right. Well, let's pray. We'll, we'll dismiss. <clears throat> Father, again, we're so thankful for your word and, Lord, for the work that you're doing in us and the work that you've promised to complete by your power, by your truth. And Father, we, we do pray um, as we continue the rest of this week going about our routines, uh, Lord, um, grant opportunities that we may Share the gospel with those who need to hear. And Lord, teach us um, ways in which we can uh, help one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, help each other uh, grow, encourage one another, help each other as we traverse this, uh, this path through this world. And Lord, we pray that in all of these things we may do what we've talked about here tonight. We may be able to bring glory and honor to your name. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.